Well, we just want to remind you guys that we've got some great things going on here at Southwoods. We're excited for the live event um, on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, and right now, we just want to remind you there's lots of ways to give. If you have offering that you want to bring here, um, if you want to just mail it in or you can drop it off with Jackie, we have all those options. Um, and I just want you to take a moment, now that it's November, tell somebody around you one thing that you're thankful for today on November 1st. Go ahead and greet everybody.
if you realize this, I know this might be surprising, but there's an election this next week. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to talk too much on this other than to say, sometimes the frustrating thing is we have imperfect people that we have to make a choice between, right? Yeah. But thank God that we have a perfect God, that we have a perfect savior who came to earth and did not sin at all. And because of that, we do have a way. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. There's no ambiguity about that, no question. And that would be a very arrogant statement if it wasn't true. But because it's true, it is a very loving statement. It's a statement that says, I love you and I have made a way for you and I want you to be with me and I want you to choose this way and because I have lived a perfect life there is this way available to each and every one of us whether you are here whether you're on live stream whether you currently believe in Jesus or whether you're still wrestling with it Jesus says there is a way for you and I am that way when we take communion we are celebrating that way. And the only way it was is that Jesus went on the cross. If there was any other way, why would he ever, why would God put his own son on the cross? It makes no sense. But because he loved you so much, in fact, John 3, 16, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes will not perish, but will have eternal life. Pray with me and then we're going to take communion. Thank you, God, so much for the gift of your son. It breaks my heart to think about giving my own son for somebody. But you did it for me. And I, I'm not worthy of that, but I am thankful and I receive it greatly. And right now, during our communion time, let us worship you in the midst of this and say thank you so much for the gift I don't receive, but I 
willfully receive it. Thank you for the way out. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Southwoods. It's wonderful to see you here live and in person. It's wonderful to see you on, uh, well, I wish I could see you online, but I'm thrilled that you're there and grateful for that. Um, did you know that there's an election this week? Does anybody, I figured that maybe that word had made it to you through either your cell phone or your email or, you know, the, the, the mailers or, you know, on and on and on. Um, if you haven't noticed, just like four years ago, uh, America's divided over who it wants to be president and vice president of the United States. Uh, and you know, four years before that, America was divided over that. And the four years before that, we were divided about that. And the four years before, we could go roll the clock back 200 and something years, and you would find that every four years, America is divided over who ought to govern our nation. So this is not a new trend. Though there are things that are different, but after this Tuesday, sometime in the near future, we're going to know who is the new president and the vice president. We're not exactly sure when, but we will know. Here's what I really know, though. When we get the final verdict, some of us are going to be thrilled and happy about that, and some in our nation are going to be frustrated, discouraged about that. But regardless of the results of the election, regardless of what COVID does in the coming months, regardless of what calamities may come our way or what crises may erupt in our cities or what chaos may develop in the streets, I want this morning to remind you of what our focus needs to be as God's people going forward. Because we have no ability to control all of that. Zero. 
But there are things that we can do something about, and this is really what God wants us to be uh, focused on in the days ahead. So if you have your Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and following. We're kind of looking at wrapping up this series, Live with the End in Mind today. And these are the words of Jesus. He tells us what we need to be focused on, what we need to orient our lives about, and how to live with the end in mind in these verses. And this is what he told his disciples, and uh, he told them then, his disciples then, and he's telling us as his disciples today, really at the same time, the same thing. Matthew 28, verses 18 and following, and a follow along on the screen or the text. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now in these verses, Jesus begins by clarifying for his disciples then, his disciples now, who's in charge. And if you notice in the language of the text, he makes it abundantly clear all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to whom? Him, to Jesus. Not the president, not Congress, not a judiciary, not the media, not the people. All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to one person in the universe who's worthy to open the scroll, who's worthy to be the, the supreme leader of all time, all eternity, all things visible, all things invisible. It is Jesus. There may be moments, because we don't understand everything that's going on, when we feel like lawlessness is winning the day, or when we feel like things are out of control in our culture or our lives, for that matter. But what you and I have to understand is that that's the appearance of things. And the truth of the matter is, is that all authority, all power, all dominion, all honor, all more were granted to Jesus and Jesus alone because he alone died and was resurrected. And the Father has conferred on him all authority, all power, all that is necessary for the salvation of our souls and justice to one day prevail in our world. So Jesus begins how we should clarify our focus with this clear statement. And since who's in charge is no longer ultimately an issue, what's Jesus tell his disciples then and now to do? What's he tell us to focus on? Since we don't have to worry about who's in charge anymore. He tells us, you notice, he tells us to go. Go to where the people are your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, go to your fitness club, go to your baseball or soccer team, go wherever you go and do whatever it takes in those places where you go to do what? To make disciples. To make disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple's a follower. And a follower who's more than just, for example, a Twitter follower. What's a Twitter follower do? I mean, we retweet like clever sayings that somebody has, right? That's, that's what it means to be a Twitter follower. I admire what this person says. That's, that's a Twitter follower. That's not the kind of follower Jesus is looking for, the kind of, what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is someone who adopts Jesus' values, beliefs, convictions, and behaviors for themselves. They become the kind of person who they're discipling their life after. They've chosen that person's lifestyle. They've chosen, in this case, because Jesus is the one that's discipling us, they've chosen to obey God and love people like Jesus obeys God and loves people. Now, here's the thing. To make a disciple, you've got to be a disciple. You can make somebody a Chiefs fan without being a Chiefs fan, right? But you cannot become a disciple without being a disciple. You can't make somebody a disciple without being a disciple. So I have to ask you, are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you? 
This is not really complicated, though we sometimes complicate it. Have you repented of the shortcomings and sins in your life? A disciple recognizes that all of us are plagued by something in our world, and it's, and it's not poverty and a whole lot of other things. Yes, those things exist. The great plague in America and in our world is sin. It's a three-letter word. Every one of us is guilty of it, according to Scripture. Every one of us. And the beginning point of becoming a disciple is acknowledging that I'm a sinner and choosing to turn away from it and follow in Jesus' footsteps. To choose him and just, I'm going to make him the leader of my life. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to believe that Jesus died. Believe that Jesus was resurrected. Believe that Jesus is returning again for me. I'm going to believe that he is Lord and that all authority in heaven and on earth is in fact settled. It resides in him. And the day is coming when he will not just ride in to show grace, he will to those who are his children, but he will show justice to everyone else. Part of being a disciple is deciding which side of that equation do I want to be on with him. I want to be in his mercy and his grace, and so I'm choosing right now to follow him. I'm going to confess him as my Savior, as my Lord is the authority in my life. And the Bible teaches, and part of what Jesus is trying to convey here in Matthew 28 to his disciples, then his disciples now, is that when you become that kind of person, when, you, when you've repented of your sins, when you believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, when you're ready to confess him as your Lord and Savior, that we're to baptize that person, you or others. We're to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptism is a bodily, physical statement of surrender. Have you been baptized? You may have repented. You may have confessed Christ. But have you ever demonstrated with your body, soul, and spirit baptism and the surrender that it represents? Jesus, here in this text, tells his disciples that this is part of what our marching orders are, to go and to do whatever it takes for people to know who he is, and to choose to surrender themselves to him in this manner. According to Jesus, we're to go and make disciples of all nations, if you notice. This is a global initiative that we've been given. It's not just a local or regional sort of thing. His interest is every people group in the world. You say, where is that in the text? If you look at the word, go, go to all nations. The Greek word there for nations is ethnos. What's, what's the point of that? is literally the word from which we get ethnic, ethnic group. His, his point is he wants us to go to every ethnic group on the planet. He wants no one left out. Do whatever it takes to reach those groups so that every ethnic group, people group on the planet can be included in the opportunity for rescue that he's made available. Think of every people group, every person in your sphere of influence. This is the idea. It's like you kind of start with your, think of your life as concentric circles. You know, you think of the people who are in your immediate family. You think of the people that are outside of that group that you run into on a regular basis. And it spreads beyond that to those who you're maybe distant acquaintances or extended family members, those kinds of things. And at some point, you know, the big circle out there is the rest of the world. Jesus is saying, I want you to focus on making sure going to all of those people groups, making disciples of them, baptizing them, all nations, all people groups. And once someone becomes a disciple like that, we're to teach them, Jesus says, to obey everything he's commanded. Honestly, as a pastor, that's the part that makes me the most nervous. I mean, if you take seriously what Jesus says, we're to teach them not to know or to be interested in everything Jesus commanded. What are, we, what are we to do? We're to teach them to obey. Big gap between knowing and doing. And ultimately, you and I can't make each other do anything. But hopefully, we can help each other understand why and we'll have the humility of spirit to choose God's ways. We've got to help people come to understand Jesus, understand God for who he really is and not just who they've imagined him to be. 
not who they would prefer him to be. Because someday we're not going to stand before the God of our imagination. We're going to stand before the real God in whom is vested all authority in the heavens and upon the earth. And if we're going to teach people to obey all that Jesus commands, we're going to have to know this book. We're going to have to help them know this book. We need to read this book. We need to, we need to try to live in ways that reflect our master that don't come naturally to us, that aren't reflexive. Every one of us. We individually need to do whatever it takes to become more like him. Now with seven billion people on the planet, no one will fault you for wondering how on earth are we gonna possibly make a dent in that? I mean, if what Jesus says is realistic, if, it's, if it is the objective that we're to aim at, how on earth are we going to make a difference in accomplishing what it is that Jesus has called us to do here? And it's just sort of a sane question is really what it is. And there's only one answer to that question that makes really any sane sense, and that is that you and I have got to rely on Jesus to fulfill that. We've got to rely on him. Thankfully, he says, I am with you always even to the end of the age, he knew that there would be a moment in time in history when there'd be seven billion people on this planet, and his vision was that we would still be focusing our minds on this very thing. Regardless of whatever other chaos or distraction was going on in our world and our lives. So if that's to be our primary focus, what are we to do about things like elections and national concerns and so on? What, what, what should we do about that, those of us who are here in America? Really two words, really primarily two words. Vote and pray. Vote and pray. Study the party platforms of the, of, of the people that you have opportunity to vote for because you have to understand this is not a personality contest. People want you to vote for a president or a candidate, a state legislator, like you would select a celebrity that you're going to listen to on your iPod. That's how they want you to vote. You are not voting that fashion. Every one of those candidates has a platform. What do they stand for? Because here's the thing. If the candidate goes down one of these days, pick your candidate the platform will still stand. So pick your, study your platform, evaluate the candidates, and vote for the ones who most align with God's teachings in this book. Let me just say, that's what a disciple does. Because a disciple is not trying to chart their own course. A disciple is trying to increasingly become like the master. master. And I'll be first in line to say, that's an inexact science, trying to, trying to do this. I mean, we live in a world, you know, last week I referred to the whole thing of, of uh, kind of, I, I, th I think God's in the business of draining the swamp. But you've got to understand, the swamp's a spiritual one. It's not a political statement. Is there people on both sides of the aisle living in the swamp, okay? The only people who are not in the swamp are disciples who are endeavoring to follow Jesus because he's the only one who's made it out of the swamp, okay? So what is our objective? Our objective is to study the party platforms, evaluate the candidates, vote for the ones who most align with God's values, teachings in this book, and then once you've cast your vote, pray, pray. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been entrusted to Jesus. And regardless of the outcome, whether it aligns with what I think makes sense or not, I can find peace, confidence, and trust in the fact that God is a master at making all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes, meaning you and me. It's all going to work. 
It's all going to work to his end, whether or not it makes rational sense from a human vantage point. This week, you're going to get an opportunity to vote. But for the next few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray and uh, just give you an outline of what I'm going to try to do here for us, what we'll do together for the next few minutes. And then uh, I'll lead us in a prayer time. But I'm going to lead us in a guided prayer time. I'm going to open, say a few words just of opening prayer. Then I'm going to lead us through several categories, a half dozen or so, that I just want you to pray about. And as when I mention the category, here's my belief, my assumption. The Holy Spirit will bring something within that category to your mind. It may not be the same thing that will bring to my mind or somebody else's mind. But if he brings it to your mind, he wants you to pray about that. He wants you to pray about that. Because there's more to pray about than we got time, all of us, you know. But he wants you to pray. So pray about whatever he brings to your mind. And then within each of those categories. And then uh, after we've spent some few minutes uh, praying, um, I'll kind of wrap up. Our band's going to sing one more song for us to kind of close out uh, the morning, which ties really well. And then, uh, and then we'll be dismissed. And uh, we'll walk out the door trusting that all things are under the authority of Jesus, all right? All right, let's bow our heads together, and I'll start and then give you the categories, okay? Father, thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and thank you for those praying with us online. I thank you for those praying with us here in physical presence with me this morning. Lord, we thank you that you have chosen sovereignly for us to live during this era of history, it's not by random chance, but part of you having all authority in heaven and on earth is even choosing the days of our lives, and we're grateful for that. Would you help us to represent you well and accomplish your purposes for our lives in the time in which we live, the times in which we live? So, Lord, hear our prayer now as we bring before you things that we know are on your heart, that matter to you? Would you show us mercy as we pray? We thank you that you care for us. Here are prayers now. First category I want you all to pray for. Just spend a few moments humbling yourself before God. Nobody walks into the presence of a throne room of somebody who has all authority in heaven and on earth without the beginning point being to acknowledge that person's greatness, that person's virtues, our insignificance comparatively, our smallness. Just humble yourself before him and honor him with your prayer. walk into the presence of someone who knows all things um, nothing escapes his notice so it's only appropriate to own up to any willful sin in your life in his presence because he already knows it's there it's the elephant in the room if you will so spend a few moments just confessing any willful sin in your life Repent of those things. God, we individually recognize that every one of us has blood on our hands. Every one of us, we're all sinners. You had to die because of us. But we thank you that you've chosen us and you've loved us. So we come before you in the, under the shed blood of Jesus. We ask for your forgiveness, your deliverance, your help individually. And we ask for your forgiveness, deliverance, and help.
for our nation. Spend a few moments, everybody, just confessing the sins of our nation, the ones that come to your mind, and, and be as specific as you can in your prayers. Just confess the sins of our nation before our Father, asking for his forgiveness, his deliverance, and his help. for God's will and his ways to prevail in this election. Ask that he would cause it, they would help to be peaceful. Ask him to further drain the swamp on the spiritual swamp on both sides of the aisle. The people who don't have in mind his things would not be elected those who do would prevail. Just pray about those kinds of things. Then ask Jesus to give us strength as his people to focus on making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey him until he comes. Jesus, we know on the day which you arrive, all things will begin to change rapidly and dramatically. But in the meantime, we are utterly dependent upon the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives and in our world. We ask, O oh Lord, for more of you and less of us. We ask, God, for victory over evil. We ask that righteousness would prevail, that your will would be done on the earth just as it's done in the heavens as you taught us to pray. That you would give us all that we need to do our part to realizing that in our individual lives, all that we need to realize that on a larger cultural level. Father, we ask that you would cut off the forces of evil that would wish for mayhem and chaos, anarchy that have been in rebellion against you since the beginning of time and will be in rebellion against you until the day Jesus returns. Help us, O oh God, to align ourselves humbly, mercifully with you. Help us to choose that path even though sometimes it, it's it's hard to discern in the world in which we live. Lord, as you uh, help us with this, this coming week, God, would you just remind us that in all things, you alone are king and you alone are good. You are the one we're discipling our lives after and if we follow you, good things are going to happen in the end in eternity we will rejoice with you and with all of those who followed you throughout the centuries we'll celebrate forever your goodness your glory your defeat of evil and the joy and hope that is ours eternally through jesus help us to fully give our lives to that lord 
to fully give our lives to you. We honor you for your goodness, for hearing our prayer, for your mercy. We lift this prayer together in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed with me and said, amen, amen. With our prayers in mind, just keep that like echoing in your mind today, this week, but just listen to this song and hope the, the lyrics of the song settle into your spirit and just kind of guide your thoughts this week too, okay? that you stand with us this morning, just this collective stand of saying he is worthy. And throughout this song, there are some responses you'll see. We would love for you to sing those collectively as well as we unify together to agree that he is worthy.
thank you, Father, for being the one who is worthy, the one who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll, the one who is worthy to be able to go to the Father and take the place of us and our sin. In, in return, give us your blessing of eternal life. Lord, I, I pray that we rest in that confidence right now. And as we go out here into a chaotic and crazy world, let us remain in that confidence, not of who we are or the world is, but in who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.